0: Self disrupt before you are disrupted by retrenchments, restructures, and COVID. <laughs> so you need to have a backup plan.
1: Welcome to the Mass Up Podcast. My name is Michelle Mouda. This is a podcast for Africa's opportunity seekers, problem solvers, future shapers, world builders, and entrepreneurs. This podcast is meant to be a platform to encourage, empower, and educate young people in Africa on entrepreneurship, startups, and business. Cool. Um, super excited today, um, chatting to Busi, who I think is like a really, really incredible person in terms of just um, her investment in inclusion in resource sharing in empowering other entrepreneurs and really helping entrepreneurs figure out um what's the best thing you should be focusing on right now and also uh, how to navigate um hey Busi, how are you doing
0: hi mashudu i'm good thanks to yourself
1: uh, i'm feeling okay um how's the lockdown been treating you
0: well i think it's 60 days i'm really over it now i want to go see my mom <laughs> Um, but overall, I think other than that family front, we've survived. Um, I think we learning to value the little or the small things in life, you know, like less commuting and using that time to do other important things or more bonding with your the family that you live with rather than the family that you, you can see. And I think from a business front, um, It's very interesting being able to still trade or operate um, given the various e-commerce platforms that are out there that kind of allow one to still continue.
1: Yeah, so, I mean, we'll go deeper into all the different things you do, but just for context, um, please tell everyone about inclusion and then also um, the tea business as well.
0: So, inclusion um, first started off as a thought leadership publication, um, which is more about me documenting my entrepreneurial journey or what I call my entrepreneurship journey of um, selling at pop-up markets, you know, spending eight hours trying to sell this one box of Karicha Gold tea that I import from Kenya and um, having that whole long trade at a pop-up market. And then now being able to have completed over 250 pop-up markets at the beginning of this year, and just documenting all of that in inclusion. Um, So it started off as a um, publication, and it's obviously evolved over the years. I started it in 2018, and now two years in, it's more of a consultancy. So I call it an inclusion fusion of tea and technology, where I use the tea business as a case study to consult to other fintechs in areas of strategy, business development, product development as well. So that's kind of where inclusion sits like. So it's all about driving um, inclusion across different spectrums from a digital, financial, gender, racial, and cultural perspective across South Africa by doing different initiatives.
1: How conscious do you think corporates really are around inclusion? You know, um, how, how much do you think they really think about how their products or their services can empower and enable um, people that are previously disadvantaged or previously, you know, left out of the economic structures and also left behind by technology as well?
0: So I think, obviously, it's inclusion in different streams. So if we look at financial inclusion, um, I think a lot of um, organizations have really come together in order to try and digitize and give financial access to people that are previously disadvantaged, and even the advantage, because you'll be amazed how many people that we call the advantage even know about mobile point-of-sale device, or QR codes, or e-wallet, you know. So I think... They're trying, but I also think we're not trying enough. So nothing hurts as much as looking at Twitter when it's time for the payment of social grants and you're seeing long queues, a 95-year-old granny queuing there to get a a social grant payment when there's so many technologies out there for her to be able to receive her payment either via a a mobile money or... Um, some sort of card payment. I think not enough is being done, but you can see a lot of fintechs are out there that are what we call um, unbundling what your core banks have been trying to do. So big banks are doing mobile point of sales, um, but it takes forever to get one. So it's that whole application process, or you need to be making thousands of turnover in order for you to be able to Um, for your application to be approved for you to get a mobile point of sale. And I think the likes of your Yoko that have a mobile point of sale where I just pay a a thousand something or even less um, and get a mobile device and then I pay a transaction fee without having to pay every single month. If you look at your QR code players, you get your cash, you get your zappers, your master pass, and all of them are coming together to try and drive interoperability, which means if I want to scan a QR, I can use any of those apps to scan any QR that is out there. So there's still a lot that has to be done for that financial inclusion to go down to the lower scale. I think here and there. You do see your petrol attendants now having a QR code. You can scan and tip them. Um, so guys are trying. You see the mom who said selling on tomatoes on the side of the road. Some of them have QRs, but not enough of them have QR or a mobile point of sale. So I think a lot needs to be done from a financial inclusion perspective. If I jump onto digital inclusion, which I think the financial players, um, obviously that's how they are distributing financial access or financial services. It's through digital mechanisms. But I think it goes beyond that. So as a small business like myself, digital inclusion for me is how do I also get my product to my customer through digital platforms. So then I look at your e-commerce or your e commerce marketplaces, your Amazons, your take a lot, your net fol- florists, etc., of the world. Um, I sell on take a lot and that digital inclusion makes a huge difference for a small business like myself. Because imagine if I was just only dependent on pop up markets, I wouldn't be able to still be trading um, during this time. Um, And then I think there's other forms of inclusion, which a lot is not being, enough is not being done. So your gender inclusion, your, um, I mean, it's so difficult for females to get access to funding or finances. Um, I've been attending so many webinars and time and time again, people are always bringing that up. If I look at racial inclusion, a lot of, um, and usually it's most black people, are excluded from this financial services it's either the products aren't reaching them, the products are too expensive for them, or the products they don't even know about them. So I think there's a lot to be done um, around inclusion across different spectrums, but if we all work together, I think it's it's possible.
1: It's, so it's very long-winded,
0: but I'm very passionate about this. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I think it's important that it's long-winded. Um, like when you think about inclusion in the age of remote working and remote offices and you know um you can hire anyone from anywhere right now right and what does it look like to try and make sure that your organization is diverse but still be able to drive a culture in 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 this in these times like it's, it's such a crazy time right like how do you drive company culture inclusion and diversity when there's no physical space where you can sort of track these things or sort of drive them in a, in, a, in, a, in a traditional way?
0: Yeah, so that is a very important statement and question. So I think we can even break it down and look at school first and then also then come to work. So if I look at school... And um, I've been engaging with a lot of cousins. So most families, we we very different. You know, there's the ones who have more than the others. So you get the one kid is like still continuing at school. They're using Microsoft Teams and Zoom and school's still getting on. So come December, the kid's going to be able to pass the grade and go on to the next grade. Then you get another side of the family where the kid's um, the teachers or the school don't have access to the internet, or they can't afford the internet. So for them, school has stopped. So that whole digital divide that's even starting at the lower grades is 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 shocking, you know. Especially if we keep on talking for IR or digital inclusion or digitization, but. I think one of the things this situation or COVID or this pandemic has really bring to surface is is that digital divide and that growing gap of inequality that there's going to now be a whole group of school kids irrespective of the grade that are gonna be left behind because they weren't part of this whole digital evolution or access to digital mechanisms. Then we fast forward to the working environment as well. I mean, working from home, requires a lot of digital infrastructure. You need internet. And it better be uncapped because two gigs is not going to get you far <laughs> for, for all the apps that you use. You know, you're on Slack, you're on Zoom, you're on Teams, you're on emails, you're downloading constantly. So you need to have that infrastructure installed in your house. So again, that's an addition, additional budget. Yeah, you're going to, I guess, move the budget you're spending on petrol to now <laughs> connectivity. But if you're someone who... Um, doesn't have fiber or doesn't have some sort of internet connection, that means work can't carry on for you. So I think it's also a call for corporates and a lot of them have stepped up in trying to get um, their workforce um, digitized or geared up to work from home. A lot have now moved from desktops to laptops for call centers or move call centers to WhatsApp chatbots or some sort of chatting platform so that they can respond to texts or emails or um SMSs, et cetera. And um, so again, they, that infrastructure had to be put in in order to. Allow for people to work from home. The other day I saw one a role from one of these e-commerce players, and they're growing because now e-commerce is booming, and they need service agents. One of the job spec requirements was you need um, internet connectivity, and Twitter went on a rampage. Like, what if I don't have internet, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. <laughs> but again, it's how do we then? There's two sides to it. Yes, it's a wow requirement, but at the same time, that's the direction we're moving um, in. You know, do you and your pa- and your neighbors now partner and say, let's each contribute 100 rand and get internet for our little community, and then we can become that e-commerce marketplace call center. So I think it's a call for us to also be innovative. And in how do we go around? Um, these new digital requirements that we have um, out there. So I think the world is changing. I think we've all, our household budgets have now saved a lot on petrol. And now that funds are now going into being connected um, with everybody else.
1: It's kind of crazy that it took a pandemic for us to get here, right? Like (laughs) suddenly the whole world figured out that, oh, it's actually possible for people to work from home. Um, The whole world, you know, um, I saw grocery delivery apps had about a 300% um, growth in the last six weeks or so. And you're looking at all of this and going, wait, this thing is changing behaviors just as much as it's changing um, businesses. And Mm -hmm. I think about that and I, I worry about whether or not small businesses are keeping up with the way that consumers will be different after this, this period and after this crisis, um, how are you looking at um, whether it's from, you know, inclusion side where you're going, you know, how do we make sure that entrepreneurs understand what's happening? Or from a small business um, entrepreneur perspective where you're going, how do you make sure that you're meeting your customers where they are now? How do you think about those things right now?
0: So one thing I am very grateful for is, thank God, I went on to take a lot in 2018 (laughs) with... (laughs) when I had a moment and I was like, I can't be doing pop-up markets every single weekend, weekend in, weekend out, and that I'm only dependent on this. There must be a way for me to scale, um, for me to scale and reach other provinces, other cities, other towns. So I am so glad that I spent those hours in getting onboarded and making that investment very early on in the game because now I'm reaping those benefits. So with that statement being said, If you have a physical product, you need to sell it, you need to move it, get on e-commerce yesterday. Not today, yesterday. You're already late, you know what I mean? But you still have time. But don't waste another second. So I think it's very, very important. It's critical that every single business must have an e-commerce strategy. Um, I I read an article on LinkedIn the other day, one of these big retailers in the UK, Primark, um, they make millions. I think they make like 600 million pounds of turnover, which went to zero overnight because they did not have an e-commerce strategy. People could not buy clothes anymore. So if a big organization like that, that doesn't have an e-commerce strategy, and obviously they're going to need billions of sign-offs in order to get that approved. You as a small business just needs one signature. It's yours as the owner. So do it. What is stopping you? So I think it's very important... Um, for us as small businesses to get on there so what am i doing from an inclusion perspective i think it's communicating and over communicating so i'm very active on linkedin and i write a lot of stories about this inclusion fusion of tea and tech and how being on e-commerce or using digital payments has really changed the business and every time i end it off i'm like it's important for a small business to have an e-commerce strategy and, um, for us to try and get our products to scale and reach our customers everywhere and anywhere. And I mean, one thing the lockdown has also showed me, and I think the hashtag alcohol free essay kind of helped and boosts the tea sales is people are willing to try. People are now trying new things, new products, um, tasting new, new experiences as well. So you have a captive audience. Get on there because it's a world of a difference.
1: Yeah. Um just to just to latch on something that you mentioned, LinkedIn. Um you leverage LinkedIn way better than anyone um I've ever met. And I think a lot of people really underestimate the value um and importance of being on LinkedIn. Can you speak a bit about um about that? You know, you are constantly putting content on there, you're constantly engaging on there how has it helped you and also how do we, how does someone get started
0: so because twitter scares me and how viral <laughs> wait, tweets mate, can be mate. wait wait <laughs> so i twitter like linkedin <laughs> we need to address I that i like first. linkedin we will after this one so i like linkedin because it's the right captive audience it's business that is on there there's a guy i once met who is in the recruitment space and he said linkedin is your live cv it's your live profile it's also a platform where you can speak to Anybody, it doesn't matter which country that they're in, but you know what roles these people are in. So if you want to reach out to the guy who heads up Take a Lot Marketplace, he's now just a DM away. If I want to reach out to my supplier in Kenya or tag him on a post so everyone in Kenya can also see this awesome Karicha Gold and how it's doing in South Africa, I'm able to tag the right people in that forum, in that post. It's also an audience, especially in my world, given that I come from a very payments background. People want to know, how is financial inclusion in South Africa? How is it um, tying in with that small business and entrepreneurial space? And I'm crafting stories. So I think it's important for, number one, people to just start. Everything is just about starting. So create that LinkedIn profile. And then secondly is, what story do you want to tell on LinkedIn? I think for me, I'm so happy that I went through a whole process where I even got a mentor who helped me craft out this story. And I'm so happy that now I'm reaping the benefits. And when people read my profile it's the me- what I'm putting out there is the message that they're actually receiving, that this person knows about technology in the payment space. This person knows about tea in the SME space and together her offering is an inclusion fusion of tea and tech from a small business and a payments perspective and can tell an inclusion story. So get out there and write your story. What story do you want people to read about you? And write about your business. Write about how people can access it, but also write about the little nuggets that you've learned along the way because someone's going to pick it up and be like, oh, I was experiencing this. This is how I overcame it or I never thought of that. Let me try this approach. So I share a lot of stats. I share stats about how many cups of tea I sold. So I don't say I sold X amount of boxes. I make it the thing that you consume. You don't consume box. You consume a cup of tea. So I I tell that kind of story. Um, You know, like how Steve Jobs said said he sells songs. You know, he sells, when he sold the iPod, it's you get a thousand songs. You don't just get music. You get a thousand songs. So I'm selling cups of tea. And telling, giving those infographics of what story you want to put out there. And also, The importance of tagging the right people, um, for your stories. So if there's people that you met along the way. So for example, if you and I, so Mashuri and I now record a podcast. I'm going to post this on LinkedIn and I'm going to tag Mashoud. So <laughs> shooters audience sees it and my audience see it. And they're like, hey, he's the podcast guy. And he's the guy who <laughs> talks about entrepreneurship. So it also gives an opportunity for us to collaborate, which I think we need to do more of um in our spaces so get onto linkedin get your story out there get it clean and you never know that side hustle can open the door for other opportunities i mean i got a dm from another tea company in kenya that's like oh we see your profile Would you like to distribute for us? If I never did that and was not on the right platform, that opportunity would would have not come about. Whereas when I now come back to the Twitter, I think I'm still trying to navigate it and figure (laughs) out who are the, the people that are similar to LinkedIn that are out there. Um, who are the people that are actually listening? You know, are we just talking or are we listening to what people have to say? Um, so I think I'm still trying to learn that side of the world um, because some tweets, once they're in there, they're out there. <laughs> so it's about how do I control my content I think as well?
1: That's the one thing about Twitter um, that you can't do, which is control it. Um <laughs> Um, yeah (laughs) but just speaking on on side hustles right I mean your tea company started as a side hustle um, while you were working corporate and like now because we're working from home um, because the world is online I feel like the world of side hustles has suddenly just become infinite right so I could start an online store um, just literally from my house and just start delivering whatever and I, I think about just the opportunities that this could pre- represent for a lot of people, especially the people who are doing side hustles, do you think people are gonna like start thinking about it a lot more than you know before when you had to go to the office where you had to drive for two hours or an hour um, where you have way more time and you can control your time a lot more as well. Um, do you think people are gonna get like very, very intentional around that stuff?
0: I think it's important that they must become more intentional about starting side hustles. So one of the things I've seen or a quote I always love using when I do presentations is start a side hustle before you get disrupted. So self-disrupt before you are disrupted by retrenchments, restructures and COVID. (laughs) So you need to have a backup plan. And I think a side hustle is a nice backup plan because it gives you an opportunity to dipstick. So I was able to test out, does this tea thing work? How do I see it work? And then if it didn't work, I was going to scrap it and try something else. But at least it gives you an opportunity to dipstick. I've always wanted to work in the uh, fast-moving consumer goods space. Like when I started off in my 20s, so that was like 12 years ago for those that want to count. And I I always wanted to be an FMCG, like I'm saying. And it was a struggle getting in. So then I ended up in banking and financial services. Hey, it's worked the best for me. I've loved it. But starting the tea business allowed me that in into an industry that I couldn't um, initially get into. So it also opens your mind on opportunity to a different industry. So if you are a banker who likes getting into fashion, start now. Do you know what I mean? Because if you don't start now, you'll never know. So it's very important, like e-commerce, you were supposed to start it yesterday, so that at least you have some sort of a backup plan. And also, not only a backup plan, but I wanna call it a distraction, but a good distraction. So that um you can go out there and discover something that you didn't even discover about yourself. So side hustles are really eye opening opportunities, upskilling opportunities, but also reskilling opportunities. So I, yeah.
1: I really wanna focus on this like self disruption. Like how do you even begin to, you know, explore what you should be doing outside of What your core is, right? So, with you, how did you even find the tea? Like, what's the origin story of that side hustle?
0: It's a love story, hence love tea time.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Please, please. uh, Yeah, so
0: obviously, I travelled out to Kenya around 2017. That's when the business started, and my husband is a he's a tea lover of note. So the gift box I bought him. I'm the one who actually originally um, consumed the apple and cinnamon. So I always use it as my signature flavor because that's the that's the flavor that started this 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 tea business. And um, so I called. There was already a distributor here in SA. So um, I used to order stock from him. And obviously, he wanted to now leave the business. And I was like, well, I've already started. I think it's time to continue. So I called up the the suppliers out there in Kenya. And I was like, I want to now take over and also start growing this business. And that's how the business um, started. So... Trading at pop-up markets, like I alluded to earlier, is was when I wanted that access to markets because getting into retail was very difficult. They wanted financials. They wanted proof points and performance on, okay, so you bought this product. Does it even sell? And how are you going to get that if you've just started your business too? So pop-up markets were a very good opportunity to get out there um, get in contact, get in that customer 's face, so it 's obviously different it 's one of your first self disruption steps because you used to an office job now I had to be carrying tables and tents and gazebos and uh, camp masters and two hundred and fifty liter clear tubs of tea and go out there and sell that so it 's also stepping out of your comfort zone and trying something different, setting up shop at these pop up markets and then when the customers would ask, so where do I get the tea if you're not at the market? I was like, um, you can phone me. So that's not a good answer. <laughs> so now I'm confident to be like, you can get it and take a lot, you know? And mm-hmm. so it's those kind of things of self disrupting yourself, self disrupting your business and always improving. You don't have to make those grand changes. It's just about iteration. So iterations, small steps, um, and just try. If you don't try it, you won't know if it's going to work or not work. So little disruptions, little iterations, little changes it will really get you to that next step.
1: So say it, it's too late for me, right? And unfortunately, it's I did It's not didn't... too late,
0: but okay. <laughs> Wait.
1: <laughs> Let's say it's too late for me. And I've just now been retrenched and I didn't self-disrupt early enough. And now... COVID has disrupted me and I've lost my income. And say I possibly have a a, a severance or anything like that. And now I need to make the next move. You know, what are people who now need to live in this new world? What do you think they should be doing first? Like, what's the opportunity right now?
0: So first is to stop and breathe. Breathe. I think just breathe because I think there's a lot of anxieties that are out there. So that's the first one. Secondly is I had a call with a friend of mine and I said to her, I think I'm a bit calmer than everybody else during this situation because I've already experienced my own lockdown or my own COVID that I happen to have chosen the path and it kind of happened to me. So I'll take a step back of when I decided to leave corporate And I woke up one morning, and I was like, I'm done. I'm leaving. And I left, and the first month was so exciting. I was like, yay, I'm fun employed. Let's do this. This is the life I wanted. I attended all these entrepreneurship workshops and webinars and et cetera, et cetera. So that's tip number one is attend all these free things that are happening right now. Webinars, it doesn't matter which country, get on there, log on, listen, and network. That's tip one. So I attended all these um, conferences, etc. cetera. Month two, I was like, okay, it's getting real. Sales are low. Retailers aren't paying me their invoices. So cash flow is a huge problem because I'm just now waiting to be paid. And now T is what I'm going to be dependent on. And um, I was also waiting for my pension to be paid out. So again, it's a large sum of money. And I get it either, it either stays in a provident fund and or... I use it, which is not the best advisable thing, So, which is what financial advisors say. So I'm not a financial advisor. Let's get that straight. I'm just sharing my experience. And so all that stuff now gets paid out. And um, the sales are very slow. Even on e-commerce platforms, they're slow. Pop-up markets, yeah, they're gradually happening because now I've got more time. So I'm really out there, and I'm selling, and I'm selling, and I'm selling. And then comes the third month, third, fourth month. And I'm like, oh, shit, what did I just do to my life? I had a good paying job. There's no more tweet, tweet on the 20th of month. of mm. month. Sales are slow. What am I going to do? And I was depressed. I was depressed. I had lost my confidence. I, Well, I had already lost it when I decided to leave corporate. But I had to rebuild. And luckily, I got a mentor, an amazing guy who was um, referred to me by a friend. And um, Namdi is also an author of a book called Disrupting Africa. So I started reading also his content. We went through a very nice um, exercise of things, like doing things like the Wheel of Life and mapping out where am I from 1 to 10 Um, in terms of from spiritual perspective, from an emotional perspective, from a financial perspective, from a family life perspective, from a relationship perspective, and really analyzing all these different things and rating them. And then also doing a nice analysis of the last five to ten years of my life and how did all these categories also look like. And then I saw little peaks, and I went back to what did I do well at that peak? And what are the cherries or the lessons or the nuggets that I can use now in this time? And then I was thinking, okay, maybe it's time to go back to corporate. But I was like, but I haven't given this break a chance. Um, let me start applying. So there I went and I applied for jobs and I applied for jobs. And I'm like, let me go back. Hundreds of job applications and three responses, three interviews, no offers. And I was like, yo, must now I'm unemployed and or unemployable. <laughs> So I'm like, so I don't have a job. I'm not getting an income. This is crazy. What have I just done? And it's going to happen to you. So you now have to take that step back and you say, okay, let me reskill. What has changed that's making me unemployable? So I was in the product management space and – I saw that most of the the roles have now become more technical. So I have to now learn about this new agile thing that had now come about and scrums and user stories. There I went into YouTube and I was learning how to do this new thing in the product development space. So again, tip two is upskill, reskill. The content is out there. It's freely available Get yourself into it. What are these new roles looking for and looking like? Because now with this working from home and borderless way of interacting, jobs, you can now apply for anything everywhere. And now you're also competing with everyone from everywhere. So you have to be able to now stand out from everybody else. So upskill, get into YouTube, learn about the new catchphrases and new things that are happening in your industry. So I did some of that so that I can now try and reapply and stuff. And then I went back to LinkedIn and I revamped my LinkedIn page. So I just had where I was working. And I was like, I need to tell more. The projects I've worked on, your e-wallets, you know, what have I done? Tell those stories. tell And bring in a personal element to it as well. So upgrade your LinkedIn profile. Get out there. Even comment on people's posts because it's all about engagement. So don't just, it mustn't just sit there and gather dust. It's about engaging. And um, also slide into the DMs. So I know it sounds weird, and not a lot of people have the confidence to do so, but do it. That's also the awesome thing about LinkedIn. If you see a role and you like it, find, do some third-degree investigation. Find out who the hiring manager is and slide into their DMs. Send them an email. Hello, I'm Busi. I've worked at company A, B, and C at Bank 123. I've got experience in payments and product management. I also run a tea business. And I would add value. It's all about value exchange. I would add value to your business in 1234. Send. And... Their chances are they will come back to you, and if they don't come back to you, try again, try again, and try again, because there is a door that is willing to open. And eventually, with all these things that I'm saying, is how I was able to kind of take myself out of that deep black hole that I had once created, and kind of feel like a phoenix and kind of rise and fly. Is I put myself out there, I rebranded, I rechanged, and I told my story. So you must also do the same um in that in that situation. And then comes from the financial things is that I also learned how to be very, very prudent. Um they used to call me a miser. They've <laughs> my parents <have> called <laughs> What's me a, a miser. miser. Would, and then my mom my mom calls me Mabusana and she'd be like, hey, mara, mara, so someone who just <laughs> And you become very cost conscious. So I did things like cutting down my storage. I didn't need that big warehouse anymore. So I went and I got something smaller. Um, I also realized that, okay, I was spending too much money on other things that I didn't need. So how am I able to draw back on the lifestyle that you don't really need? So look at that budget and see where can you cut costs? So I mean I've been driving like the same car for a very long time. I mean I had my Yari for like up to three hundred and fifty thousand Yaris. You know, I remember exactly. <laughs> I only changed my car like recently because I had to. Not because I wanted to, but because I had to. And so it's those kind of things is how do you cut down on those line items and budgets and become more prudent? And then the big one is paying off your debt and settling off your debt. I think If you have any, now is the time to burn that ish and close it off. I think that for me is also one of the first is pay off everything. Pay off that house, you know. Just make sure that you secure and that if anything happens or the COVID extends further, that at least you still have a roof and you can still eat. Um, And I think that's what COVID has allowed. It's for us to go back to the basics, to what is the true meaning of life, um, rather than the materialism. Yeah, again, long-winded, but I think <laughs> after having had gone through my own, own COVID and lockdown and quarantine, I've kind of used all those tips and traits and, you know, bringing them back to the situation that we're in right now. And I think being positive, being in positive spaces with positive people um, and reaching out. And I think the last thing is talk. People don't talk enough. Like if you're struggling, talk, um, reach out, and say to someone, you need help. Um, That will make a world of a difference.
1: Oh, man. I think that's a perfect way to end. I don't think I can say anything after that. I think... Um, it, and it, get
0: it, onto e-commerce. Oh, so I that think the that's, last, other
1: that's thing the last game. tip, is get onto <laughs> e-commerce.
0: Get onto e-commerce. And I mean, people like numbers, right? So I've actually got a little... I share stats, like I was saying, with stories, so they can check out my LinkedIn profile, uh, Busi Mavunga. You know when you change surnames, you forget. So Busi <laughs> Mavunga. And I share stats and... and um, they can go there and see the difference. I share graphs of lockdown, like this time last year versus um, now, and the difference having an e-commerce strategy um, has had to the business. I mean, if I give an example, last year I served what I call 5,440 cups of tea on e-commerce, and this is between when we went into self-isolation to uh, mid-May, to now selling 16,040 cups of tea. So do you see what a difference it is in order to get onto e-commerce? So get onto e-commerce. That is the pearl of wisdom for the business side. So the previous one was the pearl of wisdom for personal. <laughs> mm.
1: <laughs> Thank you so much, Bissi. Um Much appreciated. I think I learned a lot, and I really hope everyone that listens um, learned a lot as well.
0: Thank you for the opportunity, Mashiru. And yeah, all the best to all the listeners out there. I think we're stronger together and we will overcome this. Um, People must just talk and ask for help.
1: Ah, that's true. Thank you.
0: Thank you. Uh,
1: Okay, you can stop recording. (laughs) (laughs) Ha, ha, ha.